live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. A win at Stanford is never easy for Notre Dame, but this year it should be the easiest it's ever been with the Cardinal just 3-8. and eight. Maybe not ever. They used to be really bad. But the Cardinal 3-8 and eight this season matching those bad seasons of Stanford old. But for Notre Dame, tonight is about taking care of business, then watching everything unfold around them, hoping for the right dominoes to fall over the next two Saturdays, and for the Irish to sneak on into the college football playoff on a year no one thought it was remotely imaginable. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. Hello to those of you watching on Facebook and YouTube. We hope you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Joined as always by Kevin Downey with Ilya Glasman on the other side of the glass. Notre Dame ranks sixth in the latest college football playoff rankings. They close out the regular season at Stanford tonight, 8 p.m. on Fox. The Irish are 10-1, coming off a 55-0 win over Georgia Tech on Senior Day. Kevin, I'm not sure when Notre Dame was uh, needing last-minute drives to beat Toledo. We ever thought the Irish were going to be able to even sniff the playoff, let alone have a legit shot at it right now. Well, and after their last game, they were just so dominant against Georgia Tech. The the defense, Notre Dame defense and their pass rush it was really entertaining. <laughs> it's like a video game of old where they had, had just nothing. And I guess to credit the defensive coordinator, um, he found a blitz uh, pass rush scheme that worked. And like all good play callers, he called it again yeah, and, and again, again and again. again. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, it was comical. It was entertaining. <laughs> and then the offensive, now they, they can – Obviously, run the ball. They figured out how to get Kyron enough space to make things happen. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Georgia Tech's really bad, and we're going to talk about a lot of things for Notre Dame in terms of trying to make the playoff. The back end of the schedule has uh, been really bad compared to what they thought it was going to be. Uh, they have, with North Carolina losing to NC State, since Cincinnati, they don't have a single team with a above 500 record. Again, though, looking in the season, that should there should have been a lot of good names. They're good right. programs. I'm not blaming Notre Dame. It's, it's just, just the way it yeah. worked out. All right, on tap on this morning's show, we will break down all the potential scenarios for the Irish potentially for to make the playoffs. Our featured interview is, is with Irish Illustrated's Tim O'Malley, so a lot of good topics we'll discuss with Tim. We'll hear from Brian Kelly on college football's coaching carousel, and if he thinks he will ever coach anywhere other than Notre Dame and coming off of Thanksgiving we'll discuss what players and assistant coaches Notre Dame should be most thankful for and you can weigh in our poll of the following players who would you be most grateful to if he decides to return next season Kevin Austin Isaiah Foskey Jared Patterson or Kyron Williams head to Twitter search at Ange DiCarlo to cast your vote one other side note, this will be our final Irish Sports Saturdays until the bowl game. Once we know where the Irish are settling in for either a playoff game or a New Year's Six game, we will announce in commercials here on Redeemer Radio and on social media when our next show will be. Let's start with the Irish chances for the college football playoff and how well this team is playing. Here's Brian Kelly giving the case on why Notre Dame deserves to be in the top four at the end of the year consistency uh, and growth of, as a football team um, the playing well at the end of the season um, the the balance of both offense and defense um, you know shutouts at the end of the season playing well uh, should mean a lot in, in terms of you know the overall record 
Um, so, you know, winning 11 games, um, you know, against power five football teams uh, across the board. Look, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to be right there at the end. And you know how this is going to play out. We have to beat Stanford. Um, and regardless of what that looks like, you know, it, it's not going to be played as, you know, oh, that was, you know, a uh, signature win. Um, we think a lot of Stanford. Um, we know their personnel, but it's not going to be perceived that way. So we're going to have to go beat Stanford, play well, and then rely on what happens in front of us. We lost that control when we lost to Cincinnati, um, but we've done everything else. Um, and we'll have to do that when we, we play a really good Stanford team. We're going to have to beat them. That is Notre Dame football coach Brian Kelly talking about, uh, look, he's right. They're not going to get any credit if they win this game. They can only hurt themselves, I think, at this point. It's weird to say that because Notre Dame. Unless they have a dominating show like they did against Georgia Tech. I don't That'll think be fresh in the mind. I don't know if it's going to help them. But maybe it keeps. They maybe, can't sneak away with one. <laughs> expect to right, yeah. to sway anything or make their case. Stronger. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, like if they they go and beat Stanford seventeen thirteen, I think that hurts them. Yeah. Um, I think if they win forty one to three, I think the committee thinks the exact same way of them. Um, hmm. but but maybe you're right. Maybe if they win fifty five nothing again, not. Not so much that they think, uh, oh, that's a big win for Notre Dame. They mo mo maybe it's more so they think of it in terms of look at this team playing much better. Down now, the yeah, they're good. Just this good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we dominating good. weeks in a row. Yeah, they don't. They don't have a let up. Ilya, what are, kind of what are your thoughts as we head into this one? Um, well, in terms of Notre Dame, I think you're right. They're going to need a lot of help um, from all other teams like Alabama, Cincinnati. Um, Oklahoma State I think they need them all to lose at this point just to reach the playoff but um I I think he's right you know no one's going to give this Stanford win any credit uh Chris Felica on Tuesday said that if Notre Dame does make the playoff this would be the worst team since Washington back in 2017 um, I, wow, I can't. Even, I didn't even realize Washington made the playoff. I forgot about that. Yes, <laughs> he was. He said that there would be the worst resume, and then you have Danny Cannell on Twitter. Wait, Washington? I thought Pac-12 hasn't made it in forever. They played against Alabama. In, what was it? 2015, I believe. Okay, maybe 2015. All <laughs> yeah, right. I think I got my years mixed okay, up. Okay, I was. But anyways, say. then Danny Cannell on Twitter is like, "Oh well, oh, Notre yeah, Dame Danny needs Cannell. to go schedule that 13th, you know, data point game." When, yeah, he wanted him to play BYU this yeah. week. Well, when when he forgot to mention that the SEC just to play the thirteenth data point game they play like Texas Southern Mercer yeah. they just have to they have to reach the conference championship game to play twelve Power Five teams or FBS teams yeah all right so. let's look at the college football playoff rankings Georgia is one Ohio State is two Alabama three Cincinnati is in right now at number four mm -hmm. Michigan is five Notre Dame is six Oklahoma State is seven Baylor is eight. Ole Miss is 9, Oklahoma is 10, but Baylor and Ole Miss both have two losses. Ole Miss won over Mississippi State. They're done, so they're at 10-2. and two. Baylor could still win the Big 12 championship again, two losses. So really, we're down to eight teams that have a legitimate shot to, to make the playoff unless absolute insanity happens. Ohio State and Michigan play today at Which noon, yep. so that one will even its way out. Alabama plays at Auburn, and then they'll face Georgia next week. So by default... You're guaranteed two teams in front of you losing, 
So you would think that means Notre Dame makes the top four. Yeah. However, as Ilya mentioned, you have Oklahoma State. They got Oklahoma today, and then mm-hmm. they'll have either Oklahoma or Baylor next week. Uh, so there's all kinds of stuff in front of. They, well, they they got to worry behind them as much as they got to yeah. worry about what's happening in front of them. All right, let's go through a couple scenarios on what we think happens if if uh, this plays out. If it comes down to eleven and one Notre Dame versus twelve and one Cincinnati, who gets in? I think that's the Notre hardest Dame. thing. You think Notre Dame just because of the improvement? I, but they lost head to head. It's Notre Dame because I, I, and strength of schedule. And I, <laughs> I agree, there's lots of reasons why, but who knows? I, I think it's because one is named Notre Dame and the other is Cincinnati. In the end, will make the difference. Uh, Cincinnati came into Notre Dame Stadium and lose. beat them. You can't lose at this time of the year. If you lose at this time right. of the year, it, I think you can lose at this time of the year. You, but here's the thing: Cincinnati would lose to Houston. Who's a top twenty-five team? It's not like they're losing. Noted, yeah. It's not like they're losing to East Carolina in that championship game, like the team they beat yesterday. So I think that I don't think it's like a definite, but I think because they're a group of five, mm-hmm. look, they don't they don't want a group of five team in there. So if they can get them out, although a Georgia Cincinnati rematch after the way that game was played last year no. actually sounds kind <laughs> no, of fun. I don't want that. I don't want. Well, of that. course you don't want that. I don't want it. I, I I know you don't want it, but it'll be interesting. I agree that Notre Dame will get in. I don't know if Notre Dame deserves to be in over Cincinnati. I don't think they do. I don't think if it came they down, lost to, head to head. yeah, they lost to head to head. I agree. I agree. At home. That. Yeah, head to head at home at Notre Dame. That should matter. Just like we were complaining about the Michigan-Michigan State thing, mm-hmm. right? It should matter, but I think Notre Dame will get in because they're Notre Dame over Cincinnati. All right, 11-1 and Notre Dame versus 11-2 and Big 12 champion Baylor. I think this is a no-brainer that it's Notre Dame, right? I would yes. say so. All right, now it's where it gets interesting. 11-1 and Notre Dame versus 12-1 and Big 12 champion Oklahoma State. It would be Oklahoma State. I think it's Oklahoma State. I think they jump them. In fact... I think Oklahoma State jumps over Notre Dame in the poll Tuesday if they win today. Regardless, well, just on Tuesday they're going to get the win over Oklahoma. That's true. I think one that of might those be. Two. I think it might just be enough to get to to one spot higher than Notre Dame by by this Tuesday, and then if they close things out next week. So, what do you think? You think Oklahoma State gets in over Notre Dame if they win out? I think it depends how today goes against Oklahoma. It depends how they win. We know the matchup with I, Oklahoma. I don't know if it matters how you win a top 10 game. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it matters maybe what Notre Dame does against Stanford. That could play a yeah, factor. Notre Dame would have to win like 55 nothing again. And right. Oklahoma State has to like just barely eke out. Yeah. But either way, it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Yeah, well, here's Who, the one that. Here's <laughs> a knock on one of those two. Here's the one that's interesting 11 1 Notre Dame versus 12 1 Big 12 champion Oklahoma. Oklahoma's currently ranked 10th, but again, they'd have some marquee wins down the stretch. The knock against them, Ilya, has been they haven't beaten anyone. Well, they'll get two top ten wins You're talking in two about weeks. Oklahoma? In Oklahoma, sorry. Did I say Oklahoma State? No, no, no. no you you're said good. Oklahoma, yeah, yeah, but Oklahoma. I just wasn't sure. No, no, I'm saying I'm wondering if Oklahoma ultimately can I just, jump over I don't know because they're too far down in the rankings. They're 10th right now, and it's, it's not by accident that they put them in 10th. They just – haven't looked consistent enough, and I I understand that's two top ten wins right there. But I, if they were like higher, maybe eighth or seventh, I could see a scenario. But they're tenth right now. That's yeah. way too far down. Right, but if they if they win today, they could be fifth by Tuesday. 
Because Notre no, Dame. No, I, the committee. I don't trust the committee. I well, lost my faith in the committee well, after the Michigan look, Michigan State thing. You mean, I don't trust them to jump them from ten to five off well, one win? How serious well, no, 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 no. be? But, but but remember, you got two losses in front of them that are happening. You know what yeah. I mean? You're gonna they're Somebody's. Oklahoma, they're gonna jump home ahead of Oklahoma State. They're gonna jump ahead of Michigan. So by default, they go to seven. And then it's just whether or not you decide to give them over Baylor and Ole Miss. I think they would at that point. The committee really values Ole Miss a lot. They Well, they that's really fine. But I'm high. saying Oklahoma would then have a win over a top 10 team in Oklahoma State. So I think they could go into the Big 12 championship game only one spot behind Notre Dame. That's why I think they could then jump them. I think, I think a one-loss Big 12 champion is a massive problem. Here's the one that's really interesting to me. 11-1 Notre Dame versus 10-2 Alabama, saying Alabama loses to Georgia. What happens? I, it doesn't matter if it's by a half a point, if it's by 35. A two-loss power five team that's not a champion, not a conference champion, will not get in. I don't know. I think Alabama I, may have a chance to jump right. them. Here, here's the reason. Uh, Go ahead, Kevin. I No, I mean, I just do. I think that they value Alabama's – whole program and strength of schedule and i don't know their strength of schedule is just three spots ahead of notre dame it's not right i agree with that here's the thing though the committee very rarely penalizes you for losing in a conference championship game i don't know when they have but they lost a game beforehand i understand but True. they very rarely penalize and you they went to florida and won by two and they went toe to toe with. Sounds Arkansas logical. Last week. I would just. Oh, I would think that they lean well, Alabama. If you're if you're ta if you're talking about the Florida Alabama game, then you might as well start talking about Notre Dame Toledo again. Yeah, you <laughs> might as well. Okay, so then you're getting ridiculous with the argument. If that game is close against Georgia, I am. I think Alabama's going to get in. They love Alabama. Yeah. It's bottom line. They love them. They do. And <laughs> if they put Alabama in, uh, you better. There's going to be a guarantee that the playoff field will expand next year. They have maybe to that's the end what of they December. Want. Maybe that's what they want. <laughs> they want Alabama and more. They have the end of people. December to <laughs> either expand it next year they're or gonna, to wait till 2025. They're going to so. for they're forcing yeah. the hand to expand it by uh, doing that. All right. Uh, and if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten, by the way, Big Ten's yeah. toast. They're not. And that's a great thing for Notre Dame because then they'd have a top 10 win because yeah. Wisconsin would be in the top 10 if Wisconsin ends up uh, beating Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten championship. All right, Kirk Herbstreit keeps mentioning USC should go add Brian Kelly. So Tim Priest, Survivor Shield Shade, decided, what the heck? I'm just going to ask Brian Kelly about this. You know, it's interesting. You know, where, where your name is brought up is where they probably want you to look so you're not looking where you should be looking. Um it's just smokescreen. It's just, you know, this time of the year where, you know, throw names out there so people don't look where they're supposed to look. Other than retiring from your current profession, could you see yourself leaving Notre Dame of your own volition? No, no. I mean, look, I think Mike Tomlin had the best line, right? You know, um, unless, unless that, uh, that fairy godmother comes by with that, you know, $250 million check. I'd my wife would want to take a look at it first. I'd have to run it by her. 
All right. Uh, well, with James Franklin getting seventy-five million guaranteed, Not far and off. Mel Turk getting ninety-five, <laughs> maybe if Brian Kelly was on the open market, he'd get close to well, maybe not two fifty, but he probably could get one twenty-five at this point. Um, you know, obviously he's not going anywhere. I did. I sitting in the press conference room. I'll say this: when he started saying, "Well, the, it's a smoke screen. Look where you're not supposed to look." I'm like, "What is he?" What is he saying right now? And then and then Priester, with a great follow-up question, you know, basically gave him a direct opportunity, and he said, no, I'm not going to go take another coaching job. But the first answer when he said, look where – I go, does that mean you're interested in LSU and not USA? Like, <laughs> you know? I was like, this is a weird way to ask this question. Kirk uh, Street just wants Brian Kelly out of Notre Dame because uh, – he realizes Brian Kelly is making up recruiting ground with Ohio State, so he, he feels a little bit threatened by him. I, you know, it's wild. Think just 10 years ago. I know the, this this team may be the best example of Brian Kelly's best coaching job, but not just this year. Granted, this year, totally. But <laughs> over the years of, of that recruiting success, breeding success, and his consistency, like – paying James Franklin that much money for Penn State. That's great for him and his Get, family, but come on, man. What about the, the Michigan State guy? I saw that on SportsCenter today. I'm like, what? wow, that wasn't he just the guy that bolted from Colorado in yeah. the middle of the night? And the, yeah. We're getting pretty low on the whole. And then uh, Dave Clawson just got a massive extension at Wake Forest. We don't know how much, but that doesn't – I mean – he deserves it. If you win at Wake Forest, you consistently, just, yeah, that's... you deserve a big extension. I don't um, know. All right, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than eighty years. That's eighty years of personal service to the ND family, putting people over profits. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. We could talk about this coaching carousel a lot more. However, uh, we're going to talk about that with Tim O'Malley coming up, mm. and uh, I, I'm very interested in our next segment. So I want to get to it and not run out of time on it we break down with the matchup with Stanford uh later on in the show we'll look at where we are who we are grateful for and Kyron Williams weighs in on how much playing at Notre Dame has meant to him and what senior will we be most grateful towards if he returns not what senior what player Irish player I I, I should have wrote these not when I was on tryptophan uh would he be most grateful for towards if he returns next season I don't know what I just said if that was English mm-hmm. what Notre Dame player would you be most grateful for if he returns next season? You got that? That that that's what's coming up next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. We know you like football, so do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day, free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Thanksgiving is very much about giving thanks and let everyone know what they are grateful for. This week, I got a chance to ask Kyron Williams about his Notre Dame experience and what it's meant to him. Let's listen in on that. I feel like it's meant my life, really. Like, this is where, like, my life has really gotten started for me personally, independently, just being on my own for the first time and meeting new people all around the world and having the, my great bonds and connections with my friends is something, like, I'll never forget. Like, my dad... He always tells me, like, don't forget the, the 
um, relationships and the bonds that you have with the people um, in that locker room or in that team, because those are things that you last forever. But to me, I feel like it's definitely the connections and the guys that are here that I go to go to work with each and every day, no matter what it is. Um, and I know they're always going to have my back and I'm going to have theirs, but, you know, just having those connections and then seeing what Notre Dame has done for me and like has physically and mentally changed who I am as a person. I'm for just forever uh, grateful for that. Great answer from Kyron Williams, Notre Dame junior running back. Obviously, can return for his senior year at Notre Dame. Most expect that he will leave because, you know, you get that wear and tear as a running back. Yeah, uh, stock's probably as high as it's going to get. Yeah, and I don't know if – I don't think coming back is going to improve his opportunity in terms of the NFL draft position. The only thing that would bring him back is he wants to come back. Um, and, you know, if he decides he, he wants to return to Notre Dame for one more season. But, Kevin, just your thoughts on Kyra and what he's meant to the program. Well, I think, you know, we said for this year especially, he's been their emotional spark, you know, yeah. the energy. <laughs> um, he's really a great player but also makes great plays at big times to help the team win. Yeah. Like, and he does it all. He can, he can run, obviously, but he can catch the ball and make people miss in space. He can – block i mean he's really a complete player all right i took kyle, uh i took kyle hamilton out of this poll question for a reason he's definitely going to the nfl i mean barring an absolute miracle so i figured let's take four guys who probably are leaving but we thought probably were leaving but could come back kevin austin isaiah foskey jared patterson kyra williams and i asked the poll question which of the following indie players would you be most grateful to if they decide to return in 2022 Kevin Austin got 8% of the vote. Isaiah Foskey got 26% of the vote. Jarrett Patterson got 2% of the vote. Kyron Williams got 64% of the vote. I did not think it was going to be that lopsided that Kyron would win that big. Uh, Kevin, who would you have voted for? I'd say Kyron. Really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. well, I mean, he's just the energy. It'd be pretty awesome to have him one more year. Uh, how about you, Ilya? Uh, well, I voted on this poll, and I voted for Kevin Austin. Um, simply because uh, looking at next year, I think we could definitely use him in the wide receiver room. He'd be that experienced guy in there, uh, given the young guys uh, that are coming up behind him. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but we could actually afford to lose Kyron Williams. I don't think I don't think I ever said that about a running back at Notre Dame before. Oh, you got there Logan is good Dix. depth back there. Yeah, yeah, there is good depth, and that that was one of the reasons why I I would not have voted for Kyron Williams. I think Isaiah Foskey, but there's depth there. Mm -hmm. uh, but he is so – I can't it's even imagine <laughs> if he came back for another year how much better. Honestly, my vote was for Jared Patterson. He only got 2% of the vote yeah. because – we t we complain about how bad the offensive line is, and yeah. now you want to take away the most the experienced player. guy, yeah. the best player on that offensive line. He comes back. That offensive line now has an opportunity next year to be really good. If Jared Paris, let's put it this way: If I'm Kyron Williams, I'm definitely not coming back. I'm if not Jared even, doesn't, if Jared doesn't, I'm not even considering it. <laughs> Two Jared, for one deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we 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 offered the opportunity to some uh, of our uh, Twitter followers to give their answer as to what who they were picking uh brandon keister said it's williams for me but i think it's his best interest to go this year not only injuries but next year's rb class is loaded compared to this year good answer there brett kovach kyron seems like the obvious choice here but the running backs behind him are very good the wide receiver room needs kevin austin back so uh 
apparently that's Ilya's code name is Brett. <laughs> I didn't even read that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Casey wrote, I understand the people saying the RB room is stacked and can handle losing Kyron, but he is possibly the best pass protection RB in the country, and that's on top of being able to run and catch at the highest level. Very rare to be as proficient as he is at all three. And Marcus Dagger wrote, for me, it's Foskey, Kyron, is and has been a godsend for the offense, but the RB stable is stacked. Foskey's presence and ability to pressure can't be overlooked, and I haven't seen uh, yet seen his replacement on the depth chart. Very good answer there as well. And Loyal Sun wrote Patterson. For me, it all starts in the trenches. Go Irish. I think those are everyone's all good got points. A, everyone's got a good point. I think you easily could have voted for any one of these four guys and, and had it. I'm just stunned that. Kyron ran away with it. I almost wonder if I would have put Kyle Hamilton in the question. If he could have beat him, too? I don't know if he would have beat him. It's been a while him. since we've seen Kyle Hamilton play. I, I just Ange. wonder if he would have put a dent into the answer. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought Hamilton was going to run away with it, so I didn't even I didn't even put it, put him in, in that question. It would be interesting. But I'm saying if you had, you had your choice between Hamilton and any of these four, you're taking. I mean, how many games has Hamilton not played? I can't even remember. I'm getting four, old. Four now, I four guess. Four? We're going yeah, into I'm five sa- But I'm games? saying you would take Hamilton back next year over Kyron, right? Or no? Would you go Kyron? I, I think I may switch to Kyron. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah, I know. There's, there's Nobody no, else, but. There's no, but I'm definitely taking Hamilton. That's not even like a question. The Irish defense Kyle can Hamilton play without Hamilton. Once in a generation lifetime. He's yeah. not human. He's, he's a species. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Well, and he's gone. Yeah. And he, right. It Unless matter. the playoffs or something. But yeah, right. More than likely, we saw his last game. All right. What assistant coach should Notre Dame be most faithful for? You know, after last week's game, Brian Kelly jokingly challenged the media to ask him tough questions. So I'm like. Like, yeah, I don't really have a tough one, but I'm going to try to uh, a gotcha question. So uh, here it is for Brian Kelly. Uh, coach, in light of uh, Thanksgiving, I wanted to ask you which assistant coach you're most thankful for. And since Saturday post game, that's a, I can answer that question. Well, hold on, I'm going to make it even harder too. Listen, once I do it, he's coming in for a raise. Yeah, and, and to make it harder, since Saturday you said you wanted us to ask you tough questions, you're only allowed to choose one. Oh my God! You're kidding me. Um, I'm most thankful for. Uh, let's see. In terms of assistant coaches, you know, I have a number of assistant coaches. You know that. You guys just know the 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 nine, uh, the ten coaches. Um, gosh, I, I would say, um, you know, of all the coaches on a day to day basis. The one that probably makes my life the easiest is um, uh, I'm going to go with Brian Polian. He makes my life the easiest. Why is that? Because um, special teams, so hard. It's a hard, it's a hard job. And um, he, you know, that's a lot of work. A lot of the, the little things on a day-to-day basis that go along with that. Um, you got to take that whole group, you know, um, old linemen, D linemen, DBs, linebackers. That's a lot of work. That's Brian Kelly. By the way, I don't, you, you're not in your head like it was a serious answer. I think that was actually, it was an inside joke. He knew if he said Polian, <laughs> none of the other assistants were going to get mad. So All right. he had to think about it for a second of how to avoid this. I thought he would say Bayless because how the heck could you get, like, it's a sneaky way around it if you go with the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, okay. But who's going to argue with you if you pick Matt Bayless, right? Um, so I, I think he actually got away with it because he, he went with, like, kind of an inside joke. Um, 
that he knew his assistants wouldn't I mean, get mad at him. there's good rationale behind it. No, no. And Pullian's been a head coach. And if you look on the sideline, whenever it's critical times, there's always Pullian in his ear. Well, let, let, well, that's what I think part of the inside joke is because <laughs> Pullian's always in his ear. So he knew. He, I think Pullian sometimes annoys him in a fun way, right? He's like, like hey, hey, hey. He's like, get away yeah. from me, Brian. And no, then, I get it. Uh, so, by the way. Now, if you would have mentioned recruiting on Polian, then I could have understood it more. True. He didn't even bring up recruiting, so I was like, all right, this is, he's just going with special I, That's teams. a great question, though. I mean, he's – Mike Elston, uh, to me, behind the scenes, if you look at culture and the pattern of success, like no matter all these people come and go, he's the consistent one. And the knock against everybody that leaves, if you look at what Mike Elston brings, stability and, you know, real positive coaching to that, that – um, program is really impressive i, I and then would, you know Ilya, we got to say marcus freeman what an impact i mean the negative plays that he's brought is pretty impressive so shout out to you well, for that guy you, thank you i was down on him early but well, uh, you can only look at results eventually all Ange. i said was just give him some time i i would have went i would have went with uh elston myself as the mm-hmm. most valuable just because of the loyalty factor and how big he's been in that in in that regard, and certainly you could have went with Freeman, you could have went with Reese, I think, uh, Polian, I think because of recruiting Bayless, I think Reese would be last in that list just simply because of he's, he, he's done a good job, but yeah. I think he hasn't earned the stripes. He's on as the much learning as, curve. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think the those other guys, but I I, I would have given it to Elston because I just think he's been the loyal soldier all, all the way around. All right, mm-hmm. up next, a chat with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated about Notre Dame's playoff chances. How good is Notre Dame? How good this Notre Dame football team is? And what in the world happened to Stanford and their program? And could Notre Dame have a coaching carousel with all these assistant coaches we just mentioned? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Big thank you to Tyrac for all the support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience, helping out with our broadcasts of high school basketball and football. It wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. Time now for our feature interview. Tim O'Malley of Irish Illustrated is our guest this week. We revisit some of the things we've already discussed in the show, like Notre Dame's playoff chances, and get Tim O'Malley's take on that. We also talk about the coaching carousel, plus how good is this Irish team actually, and what in the world happened to Stanford that leaves them at 3-8 and eight entering tonight's matchup with the Irish. Here's my conversation with Irish Illustrated's Tim O'Malley. All right, Tim, uh, thanks for joining us. First of all, how good is this Notre Dame team? Um, are they really good and that much better, or do their opponents over the last month stink? I think both. I think their opponents <laughs> definitely stink. Um, they may have no opponent over 500 if North Carolina loses to North Carolina State since losing to Cincinnati. And that's just ridiculous when we looked at the schedule and thought, you know, there's a murderer's row there in October. Um but I do think they're much better. I mean, you can watch the offensive line. 
if you've never watched football until this year, you would know how much better the offensive line is now than it was in September. They were they were really the crippling unit. I don't think they're uh, as good as BK's best, obviously, over these 12 years. Last year's line was much better, but they're they're pretty solid, and I think they will have a good day against anyone that's not in the top three, or perhaps there's some stout defenses there in Oklahoma State and Michigan. Um, but other than that, I think this this line has really come a long way, and it's helped the offense come a long way. No, no question on that. All right, let's go through some scenarios of if these teams end up in the mix with the final spot between Notre Dame and them, who gets in? Eleven and one Notre Dame, ten and two Alabama. Well, if ten and two Alabama loses to Georgia on a last second field goal with the world watching, and it's one of those classic Alabama Georgia games like the last two have been in SEC championship games, I think Notre Dame's in some trouble. Uh, if Notre Dame, if Alabama just loses a standard game, I think Notre Dame is going to get in over them. Uh, I think they're, it's really hard to. Georgia goes out there and wins 27-14. you got to put a one-loss team like Notre Dame or a one-loss Big 12 champion in. Um, and if Alabama loses to Auburn, then I, even if they beat Georgia, we've, I've actually had this argument on Twitter with Douglas Farmer from MSNBC that uh, I think I think Alabama cannot lose to Auburn. That doesn't matter what they would do afterwards. But uh, the problem is I don't think they're going to get blown out by Georgia. Yeah, well, I think even if it's a two-touchdown game, I think they might get in because the history of this committee – Committee, when have they really ever punished a team for losing in a conference championship game? No, I, I'm with you. The second loss might help. Um, it's probably unfortunate that teams like if A&M keeps – I mean, A&M's been winning. Uh, they're ranked. Arkansas State ranked. You know, Auburn will obviously not be ranked um, unless they beat Alabama, then it wouldn't matter. So it's uh, – I still think Notre Dame gets in over two lost Bama unless they play a classic in the uh, SEC championship game. And then if you think about it, I mean, if, if Alabama and Georgia are neck and neck, it's who are obviously two of the four best teams, right? I still, I still wonder if they would punish a team, especially when Notre Dame's not playing. I think that's the caveat in this. Maybe they would put a big 12 champion over them, but I don't know if they'd put Notre Dame over them when Notre Dame's not playing and give Notre Dame the advantage for having the bye. All right. Yeah. Uh, 11 and one Notre Dame versus 11 and two big 12 champion Baylor. Notre Dame's in over any big, 12 champion that has two losses okay so does that mean any big 12 champion that has one loss no it does not i think that <laughs> Notre Dame fans are not paying enough attention to how well Notre Dame is playing great football over the last four five six weeks so is oklahoma state if oklahoma state adds to that by beating oklahoma and bedlam on national tv saturday night and winning the big 12 championship game which could be baylor or a rematch with oklahoma I don't know how Notre Dame plays Stanford and goes idle and stays ahead of them when they're one spot ahead right now. I'm not sure Notre Dame would stay ahead of them Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I think that they might want to. Uh, that's true. I mean, I mean it, especially they, if Oklahoma State goes out and hammers yeah. OU. They, um, they could just flip-flop them Tuesday, and then that's that. I do feel like Oklahoma State is more highly thought of than Oklahoma this year. It's a rarity. Um, like when Oklahoma lost – even when they were undefeated, they were number eight or nine when they right. when the first eight. polls came out. I think there's a little bit more respect for Oklahoma State because of their defense in Oklahoma this year. People, you know, people know, quote unquote, Oklahoma should have a loss, another loss out there, even though that's not really how football works. Notre Dame should have another loss too, if you if you want to say that from September. Um, I just feel like Oklahoma State rightfully has a lot of respect, and they Notre Dame would have a lot of trouble holding them off. All right, eleven and one Notre Dame versus twelve and one Big Twelve champion Oklahoma. I would have said Notre Dame until I watched the show yesterday, and they mentioned that Oklahoma 
even though they're back a couple spots, quote unquote, is basically the same team as Oklahoma State if they win their next two. That got me a little worried that Oklahoma would also take Notre Dame's spot. Now, what you really need, and this is kind of probable, is that those two teams, one of those teams doesn't win their next two games because those are two hard games, right? Right. Yeah. So I mean, if you're, it doesn't. It sounds dire when you say either team gets in, but those are two hard games: Baylor, Oklahoma State, or a rematch with Oklahoma. I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's would, certainly possible. It. It's certainly possible Baylor ends oh, up the sure. Big Twelve champ, or Oklahoma State or Oklahoma have two losses. It's it's certainly it's certainly yes, all yes. those scenarios are in play. Um, right. All right, eleven and one Notre Dame versus twelve and one Cincinnati. Notre Dame. I think Cincinnati plummets if they lose. <laughs> I'm talking. I'm talking plummets. Like so, it's not even close going into the last. Especially now, they lose to East Carolina. I think anybody can agree that that is. But they lose to Houston. I mean, Houston's a good team. If you, if Notre Dame plays, they're Houston in the top in the twenty-five six, right now, and they are the best team. I mean, it's not Notre Dame's fault when we say these things, but like Houston's better this year than USC, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. That's what I'm saying. And maybe not Virginia with Brennan Armstrong, but Notre Dame can play Virginia with Brennan Armstrong. I, you know, if I think if you put Cincinnati, it, 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 that that one's going to be intriguing because all everyone who yelled and yelled about M- Michigan, Michigan State, now will yeah, be flip flopping the other way. <laughs> I gotta go with. I gotta say though, like you know, they had two Power Five wins. One is Notre Dame. One is Indiana. It's not at Cincinnati's fault, but like if you so Houston's the second best team on their schedule. They're actually going to get penalized because UCF is not as good as usual too. UCF is normally ranked, and that would be a victory over them. I think Cincinnati plummets. I, there is a bias against the group of five. One loss Cincinnati doesn't get in over one loss Notre Dame. And I, I'm sure you agree if they lose to East Carolina. Oh, two no. touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, then, then it gets ridiculous. Um, all right. If Wisconsin wins the Big Ten, Big Ten shut out of the playoff? Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame looks great if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten. It is the low-key, strangest thing happening that Wisconsin's good at football after what we watched on Chicago. Because, boy, oh, boy, they – they did not look like they were a viable contender this year, but that means they will have knocked out the winner of the Oklahoma, of the Ohio State Michigan winner, and that's that's too much for them right now. Notre Dame might have a top ten win after all if Wisconsin wins <laughs> yeah, the Big yes. Ten. Yeah, and, and I think Wisconsin could win in a rematch over Michigan. Um, I would not sign up for them upsetting Ohio State no, right now. No, 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 no. no. All right, uh, Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays as we preview Notre Dame and Stanford tonight. We haven't talked about Stanford. Usually, uh, Tim, if I had you on on a game against Stanford, we'd be talking about Stanford the entire time. What happened to Stanford that we have no reason to really want to talk about them? It's amazing, really, the fall from grace they've had. But, you know, it started in 2019 where they all of a sudden weren't running the ball as well. We we kept watching that Notre Dame team play and get a little better as November went on after losing to Michigan. And all of a sudden you go to preview Stanford and you're like, well, you got to stop the run. And then you look it up and you realize everybody has stopped Stanford's run for the last three years. And, I mean, that is their identity, right? Good offensive linemen, great tight ends, a hard-nosed running back, smart quarterback. Tanner McKee is a pretty good quarterback. He's been hurt a little. He is back, but they do not have a running game and they don't stop the run. They are among the worst teams in the country at stopping the run. It's so weird. They get Kyron Williams and Logan Diggs and an offensive line that's playing well. I think Notre Dame runs for over 250 yards in this game. Yeah, we usually talk about the battle in the trenches. I don't know if there's yeah. going to be a battle in the trenches. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it's, you know, Tanner McKee kind of digging a little bit here. He's a pretty good quarterback with a clean pocket. Um, that's how they beat Oregon. They kept Oregon out of the backfield. He had three touchdowns, no picks. 
Um, Oregon was also missing their offensive coordinator uh, for emergency medical situation for the game. That That is not an easy game to play when you lose Joe Moorhead, who's a good coordinator. That is part of the reason they won. It's also two months ago, and they are just not playing that way now. They lost to Cal is it 41-10, and Cal was ravaged by COVID the week before. It's I mean, they're up, they're, and they're up for the Cal game, right? That is the big, they call it the big game. That is, that is their biggest game for the alumni, at least. And they got crushed. Yeah, crushed. And, and by a reeling Cal team, you know, it's just, it's a, and McKee played. It's a strange situation there. Um, somebody asked if David Shaw's job was in jeopardy. I don't think so because he's, he's the best Stanford's going to get. I don't, but I do think the David Shaw going 10 and two every year is over for, for the foreseeable future. To think they used to steal players from Notre Dame in recruiting in 2014 through 17 and 18 is, is crazy now because that just wouldn't happen. I I don't think he has a Brian Kelly win 55 games in five years in him, but he, I mean, he's a good football coach, so he might, you wouldn't be shocked next year if all of a sudden Stanford's eight and four, right? I, the, the weird part is that I, I'm more shocked that they're the Stanford of the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, it's, what it's happened? Never it's, they should not be three and eight. That's it. They should not be three and no. eight. So a little that has to go to coaching. Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. If James Franklin is getting seventy million dollars guaranteed, <laughs> how much would Brian Kelly get on the open market <laughs> if he was open to going to USC, LSU, or Florida? Uh, more. That's amazing. That's what eleven and nine in two years gets you these days, huh? And, uh, I think I think Pete Sampson tweeted this out from the Athletic. I know I've seen a ten year ten year contract before <laughs> around these parts. Yeah, I, that, <laughs> it was the first thing I thought that was guaranteed, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So that's shocking to me. Um, it's I mean he, he does recruit well. I guess they're afraid to lose him to USC. Wow. I don't know. Notre Dame fans would have minded that in the end. He does, I guess if you're recruiting players to USC, that's a problem, right? For Notre Dame, always, if they're, if they're going to re- restart the recruiting machine, you don't have to have Pete Carroll as your coach to win the games. But uh, I am really surprised by that contract. Extension. If uh, BK joked he'd only leave if he got $250 million, I mean, if Franklin's getting 70, maybe he actually could get close to that. Number. Yeah. LSU will give you a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's just say, for whatever crazy reason, BK did leave next week right let's just say it who who would who would be the frontliner right now to be the head coach is it is it obviously Luke Fickle yes yes no doubt about it um they would go hard after Luke Fickle I think um I know Notre Dame fans love the coach and waiting idea and falling in love with coordinators they like but you gotta as Brian Kelly showed us in his first couple years and he even admitted it is a much different job than going out and coaching football when you come to Notre Dame so before anybody wants to jump in with Marcus Freeman like they would have last year with Clark Lee, I think you are going to Luke Fickle. And I think Matt Campbell's fallen from grace quite a bit for Notre Dame fans oh, recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I was never on the full Matt Campbell train, but now I guess I – so I never had to jump off it, but I'm just avoiding the track altogether. <laughs> um, the guy I was thinking back in the day was Matt Rule. He took the strange move of Temple to Baylor, but he parlayed that into Carolina Panthers, so clearly knew what he was doing. I think Fickle's the clear choice to go after. How many Notre Dame assistants are head coaches next year? One. Polian? Yes. You don't think Freeman? I think he's got another year at Notre Dame. And then uh, I think he gets a better job. I don't think he will go to Cincinnati if when Fickle takes a bigger job. I think Marcus Freeman can 
really make a move up the coaching ladder if he has another year. If this defense improves next year, they're in title contention or playoff contention again. I'm interested now, in Virginia Tech for Marcus Freeman. That'd be yeah, because that would be uh, there's a recruiting base in that area that helps too. Um, the history of great defense there. I don't know how much it's just was Frank Beamer, right? I mean, we we think of Virginia Tech as being a second tier nationally strong team for two decades, but maybe that was Frank Beamer's magic. It's kind of like. Bill Snyder in Kansas State. Like, well, Kansas State was good for 15 years. There's one reason Kansas State was good for 15 years. Uh, Virginia Tech would have a much better recruiting base, obviously. So that could probably be attractive. And as we've seen, um, if Clemson's down, rolling through the ACC isn't that difficult either. Well, and Florida and LSU and USC got to get their coach from somewhere. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, now those so, are hard to turn. That's hard to turn down, obviously. I just don't know. I don't know if it's him, but, I mean, then yeah. that if, if they pick off somebody else that you're not thinking of, Right, then all right. of a sudden that job's like, that's not a bad job in the ACC or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I kind of feel like Marcus Freeman had the, not that you can't go back on this, but had the handshake agreement of, look, we know how sought after you're going to be. Give us two years. Well, I don't disagree with that, but I don't know if they necessarily thought this many jobs would be open. Right. right. That, yeah, that, that's mean, the one thing. I mean, there's a lot open there. All right. Uh, let's just say, let's say Freeman does take another job and he left and became head coach. Well, since he's possible, I don't mean yeah. to say that's not possible. Yeah, no, that one's obvious if Fickle were to leave. Um, if Freeman were to leave, is Mike Elston finally, finally the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame? I almost think so because it's also you're changing systems again, if not. I think Elston has probably learned Freeman's system enough, just like he learned Lee's. He does have experience. I know people don't think he was a defensive coordinator when Van Gorder was fired in 14, but he was. Greg Hudson was just kind of a guy on the sidelines cheering for everybody. Um, Mike Elson was calling the defenses. Now he's been passed over because Brian Kelly passed him over and Brian Kelly knows him more than anyone. Obviously Mike Elston is a, one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. Kelly has said in interviews that he is completely ready to become a head coach. I think that's true. He's been, he's been associate head coach. He's coached special teams, linebackers, defensive line. He's coordinated. I think he's ready. I think you almost have to, consider he gets the job because you also don't want to turn over your defensive scheme again. We saw how long it took them to kind of get out of that and, you know, make that transition from Lee to Freeman over the first month. Boy, they, you say this though, Ange, they really need Marcus Freeman to stay one more year. No, no question. But these are, these are all possibilities. And if, yes, and yes. if Freeman left and you don't promote Elston and Polian leaves and Elston get, Elston may finally say, screw this. I'm going to go take a D.C. job somewhere else. Yeah. And, yeah. and if he does that, then you've lost all your recruiters. <laughs> that would be really weird all of a sudden. Yes, right? it, it, would, it, would, it would be you. you there's, a lot, there's a lot to consider if the Marcus Freeman's number one domino that falls. That, that, that's what it would be. All right. Well, now I just scared the crap out of everybody. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that's beside so that's the point. That's a bad phone call now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, Tim, uh, thank you very much. Enjoy your, uh, your stay in the Bay Area. Yeah, always do. Thanks, Ash. All right, that is uh, Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Uh, we could revisit what he said, but then we'd be out of time on the show. So we've got our game day sprint to kickoff coming up next as we preview Notre Dame versus Stanford. Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this. This is Leonard DiLorenzo, host of Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. 
On Church Life Today, we talk with pastoral leaders and scholars about some of the most important theological, social, and ministerial issues in the church, digging deeper than sound bites or hot takes. If that sounds good to you, join us on Mondays during the noon hour right here on Redeemer Radio, or pick up episodes wherever you get your podcasts or directly at spokestreet.com slash churchlife. I love the Bay Area. I love going back home. I feel like everyone always has like that something else they can bring or that some juice they can bring when they play back home, but they always have a different type of energy. Or like senior night, everyone played like out of their mind senior night, but that's just senior night playing for each other, playing for the seniors. Seniors playing for themselves and other seniors. I always feel like there's always a next step and maybe going home, that'll like bring out the next step into me. That's Isaiah Foskey. Can you imagine Isaiah Foskey with extra juice on the field tonight? I yeah, mean, that'd be really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Foskey grew up about an hour from Stanford. Tariq Bracey mm-hmm. was is like twenty minutes. He's like the kid that grew up in Mishawaka. He's just a, he's yeah. literally. You do a Google search of his hometown. It's twenty minutes. Away. I'm like, oh, you're really in the in the backyard. So those are going to be two guys that are. That are ready to go as Notre Dame takes on Stanford tonight. The Irish ten and one, ranked sixth in the college football playoff rankings. Stanford just three and eight. Mm-hmm. They have lost six straight games, including last week they lost to Cal forty-one to eleven. They are bad, Kevin. Yeah, it was a battle of the three and seven teams. That's the it other was thing. a hard one to it watch. Like it was is, wild. Yeah, Cal doesn't exactly have Aaron Rodgers on the other side right now. Um, wow, uh, it, it is stunning how bad they are. How bad did they look when you watch some uh, clips of them? It was just bizarre because they, uh, at least offensively, they they do all the things that they used to do when they were successful. <laughs> they have people that look like they should be able to do well. Offensive line is four juniors, but, man, it's just not working. I don't know whether it's chemistry, talent, new coaches, combo, whatever's happening, it's kind of falling off. Yeah, Tanner McGee is the one good player, you could say, the quarterback. Uh, he did miss the Utah and Oregon State games before returning for Cal. Uh, he's thrown for 2,155 yards, 64% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 239 yards per game. But we always talk about them being a team that can run, run the, ball. the ball. Yeah, I mean, their leading rusher is 401 yards on the season. And he's not a bad running back. It's just not they're not getting it done in the trenches like they used to. Yeah, and well... <laughs> And then you flip it to the other side, and their rush defense ranked 127th out of 130 teams in the country. The fourth worst Division A rush defense in the country, giving up 242 yards per game. Stanford. Well, and stats can be deceiving, but I don't think you can hide from that one. I mean, that's bad. It's really bad. Stats are deceiving when it's game four of the year and you had one really, really bad game. You know what I mean? You played Georgia in week three and the the stats are deceiving that way. But, man. Yeah, they've been through a whole schedule. All right. So give me something. Anything to worry about? Um. Yeah, I mean, any game, I think the turnovers that sure. Stanford could win if they win the turnover battle. But otherwise, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame should be able to, to run the ball, right? Because we've noted how bad their Stanford's run defense is. And then I think one of the highlights, and maybe it's just coming off of the uh, high of the last couple games, but Notre Dame's defense, their their pass rush is really impressive. So obviously, Foskey leads the way in tackles and tackles for loss and sacks. Um and there's a lot to add up, so I may have done the math wrong, but I think that 
if I'm reading it right, there's like 70 plus tackles for loss for Notre Dame, 37 sacks, so 107 negative yardage plays for for Notre Dame's defense. That's with really one good. loss. Oh yeah, that, that's there was a heck a of a great deal. Stat that I read earlier this week that's saying that this is the most sacks in a Brian Kelly era. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. the are the most ever in Notre Dame was in 2003, and it's one more, 38. Yeah, they're closing in on the team sack record, which they're definitely getting. I mean, if they don't get it, this they could, should get after him tonight. But today. I'm saying if they don't get it tonight, yeah, maybe there is a ball game. But I don't think there's <laughs> going to be a ball game. I mean, all right, uh, all right, uh, Kevin, what's your score prediction? Uh, I think that they'll win big. I think it's going to be 47 to 13. Wow. All right. Uh, Ilya, what do you got? I got 45-7. I think they score a garbage TD at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 13 may have been kind. I don't know. <laughs> All right. You're right. You know what? Honestly, I have a bad feeling about this. Not Oh, Ange. Look, a bad feeling in a different way. I just think they're just not going to – I think it's going to be almost like the Virginia game where they get up early and then they – and just end. Score over 50? I don't know. Everybody plays? I – Fun on the West Coast. <laughs> I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be like thirty. I'm gonna go thirty-one to six. I don't think they'll. They're they're gonna win. No problem. I just don't think it's gonna be as high scoring. Just because I think they're gonna. I don't know why they would let off the gas. If there's ever a time not to let off the gas, it yeah. would be tonight. But for some reason, I have some weird feeling that. <laughs> l- let's put it this way, uh, real quick. The one stat I'll throw out: Brian Kelly's one in four at Stanford. Only win was in 2019, so you could win two in a row. So that's that's the good news. All right. Uh, they're going to kill him. All right. Maybe maybe it's going to be 51 to 6. Never mind. All right. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FC, where you bank does matter. For Kevin Downey, Ilya Glasman, a reminder, we will, not have a sh- we will not have a show next week. We will be back with you for a bowl special coming up. We'll announce that on in commercials and on social media. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their show in pregame. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game. Support for programming on Redeemer Radio is provided by the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture at the University of Notre Dame. The DeNicola Center is committed to sharing the richness of the Catholic moral and intellectual tradition, both on campus and in the wider public square. Learn more about the DeNicola Center and see our schedule of upcoming conferences, lectures, and events at ethicscenter.nd.edu.